baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Grant and Danny on the fan. Welcome back and thank you for making the show part of your day. We got to welcome in our audience in Richmond. AM 910, FM 1051. They'll be with us for the next three hours. We are all over D.C. and the DMV on 106.7 The Fan. And we're wherever you are right now on the Odyssey app. We appreciate everybody checking out the show. The U.S. men's national team is returning to the D.C. area for the first time in five years this summer. They're going to play at FedEx Field for the first time since 2012. In fact, they played more matches in this D.C. area than in any other city, going 16-5-6 and all-time. And they're coming back to the nation's capital for a matchup with Columbia. We want to talk about the return to FedEx Field. And we're pleased to do that right now with the head coach of the U.S. men's national team. Greg Berhalter is with us. Coach, thank you for the time. You're on Grant and Danny here in D.C. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing very well. Excited about uh, a match here in our backyard in, in June. Coach, as you, as you guys gear up towards the World Cup, going through that gauntlet of having to qualify, not the case this year as one of the host nations. How's it going to be different for you guys leading up to it? Well, I think it's actually a good thing. Um, you know, to, to win the World Cup, we're going to have to play against the best opponents in the United States in big stadiums, and there's you know no better opportunity than Columbia at FedEx Field. Yeah, the game's in early June at FedEx. It was just announced today. What do you make of that matchup and, and coming back to FedEx? You know, Columbia is a team that has lost in 19 games. Um, some world-class players. Luis Diaz plays at Liverpool. Very physical team, very technical team. It would be a great matchup for us um, as we prepare for Copa America in the summer. Yeah, Coach, talk about Copa America a few guys. How, how, how big is that kind of leading up towards the World Cup? How much priority will you put on that versus maybe developing with an eye towards the World Cup? You know, it's basically like a mini World Cup. Uh, it's the oldest soccer tournament in the world. Uh, I think it started in 1913, if I'm not mistaken, or around there. Or 19... I'm going to throw a coach on hold, Ryan. Let's see if we can work out his phone. It's breaking up a little bit on us. And I want to make sure you don't get the head coach of the U.S. men's national team on very often. It's not an everyday thing. That uh, you know, we can get the best signal possible. But I'll tell you what, every time... You and I look at the TV numbers after a World Cup. We're mm-hmm. always blown away by how well soccer does in D.C. And it shouldn't be that surprising at this point. But if you look at it, the D.C. market yep. is the best ratings market on television for the World Cup every four years. For for all the soccer events worldwide, whether it's, whether it's uh, European Championships, Copa America, et cetera, it always does really, really well. So, Coach, welcome back. You were talking about the importance of the tourney. Yeah, just it being a historic tournament, top teams in the world are in it, and it really is an opportunity for us to to have a dress rehearsal for the World Cup. So, having the opportunity to play in knockout games, getting to you know trying to get out of our group, you know that's all part and parcel of what a World Cup looks like. Twelve years since the fans here in D.C. have gotten a chance to go out to the big football stadium here, FedEx Field, to watch you guys. We were just talking about how the the TV numbers for the World Cup always kill in D.C., and you guys have played more games here. And then anywhere else, obviously, many of those at RFK 
back in the day. I think I saw friendly with Uruguay at one point when I was growing up. But uh, what do you make of just playing in front of uh, the D.C. market and playing here in the nation's capital? You know, D.C. is an area that knows soccer, and it's great to play here. You know, I've played in a number of historic games here, whether they be World Cup qualifiers or when we beat Argentina here, one nothing at RFK. And I always appreciated the crowds, always appreciated this area, and I know it's produced some high-level players, some high-level teams with D.C. United, you know, winning the inaugural MLS Cup. So it, this is a big area for soccer in the United States. Team USA coach Greg Berhalter with us here on Grant and Danny. Um, you, you mentioned this area is such a hotbed and there's so much enthusiasm for it. We followed, you know, Team USA so closely. You did this once before. You were the head coach before, and now you're back for your second stint. What's different for you this go around as the head coach of Team USA? It, it's just about trying to get better now. Um, you know, when we took over in 2018, it was a completely new group. We had young guys that we had to integrate into the national team. And now it's about how do we take that same group of guys and just get better and and now try to do something that's never been done before in U.S. soccer history. Yeah, along those lines, I mean, when you have the experience that you did in in getting to go to the World Cup before, do you just bank on guys being together longer, growth, development, time together, and kind of helping put you over the top? Or do you go back to the drawing board? How much have you changed systems and things where you go – okay, the way we were doing it wasn't going to work. So systematically, we've got to make these changes. It's a little bit of both. You want to keep adapting and getting better and improving your your style of play. And then you hope that the guys continue to get better themselves. You know, as they get older, they're working with their clubs and you hope they continue to develop and improve. Um, Because when they do that, if enough of them do that, you know, collectively, you're going to be better as well. Coach, international soccer is such a unique animal that it's all geared up towards these major, huge competitions. I guess kind of like the Olympics are as well. The group that you might field today may not be better than another group you could field, but it's always with an eye towards that huge competition, right? How do you balance that in terms of day-to-day playing the best guys versus playing the guys that may be the best in the future? You know, you have to use the time to develop the player pool as well. And over the course of the last five years, we played over 70 players. So 70 players got their uh, an appearance with us. So we've certainly seen a lot of the player pool, but that's exactly the balancing act. You want to develop the, the players that are in your, in your pool consistently, but you also have to look at new talent. Who is some of that new talent that you can highlight for us that are some of the up-and-coming players that you're excited about this time around? Uh, you know, there's a, there's a number of players. There's a Kevin Paredes, actually a D.C. United prospect, um, is now over in Germany. He's an interesting young player um, that's that's coming into the, the fold. But in reality, you know, we have the youngest team in the world in last World Cup. And so a lot of our standout players are going to be standout players again in this next World Cup. You know, when you talk about the likes of Christian Pulisic, Eunice Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, um, Serginio Dest, you know, these are all guys that have the opportunity. They're young enough to play in two or three more World Cups. And now internationally, too, you've got guys playing at AC Milan, Juventus, and, and you know some of the best clubs in the world, but they might do something different there for their club teams than they do for, for you guys. How tough is that to sort of reintegrate into a, into a different system? You know, that's why it's important that we're watching them every week to really understand what they're asked to do with their club teams. Um, so when they get to us, we can just fit them into, into place. There are examples of guys that you know, play a completely different position than we want them to play or we see them 
um, perform the best for us. And then it gets a little bit complicated. It, it's a lot of it's a lot of communication with them outside of camp to to be talking about what the plan. So give us an idea, Coach, and we've got Coach Peralter on of Team USA Men's Soccer. U.S. Men's National Team obviously going to play host in the World Cup coming up two years from now in the summer of 26. The schedule ahead here. You guys have the big match in June here in D.C. Tickets just went on sale today out at FedEx Field. People can go watch you guys play against Columbia. But the ramp up to the World Cup, give me an idea of what that looks like. So we're, we basically play six times a year. Um, we'll have Copa America, we'll have Nations League in March in Dallas at AT&T Stadium. Then we go um, big friendly here in D.C. We'll have another friendly before Copa America. And then we'll play in September, October, November, um, two games in each of those months. And then we basically repeat something similar but without Copa America the next summer. So that's the World Cup. So there's not too many more opportunities that we're going to be together with the whole group. Coach, how has USA Soccer developed and grown over the time that you've been associated with, both as a player, now as a coach, obviously so influential, just in terms of building that talent pool to kind of mirror uh, the way the rest of the world does it? You know, it's night and day. Um, the, the owners of Major League Soccer have really come together and, and made uh, development a priority. And you can see that uh, a lot of the players that we're working with now have come from the MLS system. So there's been a lot of resources spent towards developing players. And we just we have better players now. They're, they're playing at better clubs, bigger clubs. You know, they're, they're playing with the expectation that they should be winning championships with their team every year. So there's a, there's a lot. Uh, a lot going on and a lot of it is positive with soccer in America. What would be considered, I know we're a long ways out here, but for you, as you look ahead to the world cup, like how do you view this time around as what would be successful? Yeah, I think there's varying degrees of success, right? Um, The ultimate success would obviously be winning the world cup. And then as you go down from there, you know, the U S has only gone to the quarterfinals one other time in the World Cup in the modern era, that was in 2002. So that would be another uh, really important benchmark. Uh, and then, you know, the semifinals is something we've never been to. So, you know, again, varying degrees of success, and and, and hopefully we're going to make the nation proud. Coach, just a real treat to catch up with you, man. Appreciate the time, and uh, looking forward to having you in our backyard in June. Thank you. You bet. See you guys in June. Thank you. There's Coach Berhalter of Team USA, uh, the men's national team, FedEx Field, had the opportunity to get him on as they were making the announcement that he's going to be coaching the team here in the DMV, and we wanted to chat with him. Not every day you get to do that. USA against Columbia. The game is going to be played on June 8th. It's a 5.30 local kickoff at FedEx. I've been to a couple matches, mostly when I was younger at RFK, but I've also been to soccer at FedEx Field, and it's just different. Like the, the energy and the pizzazz and the atmosphere – even going, you know, frankly, to Audi Field for DC United, like the people that are there oh, are yeah. all the way in. It is their thing, but it's yeah, turned up sure. to eleven to get to go watch Team USA. It's one of those things if you haven't done it, it's definitely worth it just to kind of see the vibes and the experience and how fired up people it, get. It is such a neat thing. Again, as you, as we talk about, it, I know it's you know the, the whatever place you want to put it, fifth, sixth, whatever biggest sport when it comes to the U.S. You know, in terms of regular viewership, there's no Super Bowl or or otherwise, but it's the world's game, and it's like. 
it's starting to catch in, in a lot of ways. So many different communities, whether it's Seattle, Portland, uh, here in D.C., there's a there's a really hardcore fan base as well because we already mentioned that the ratings do so well. So it really is a cool thing. I mean, this is those are two top, top 15 programs right there in Columbia and, and Team USA. That should be fun. Yeah, thanks to Coach Greg Berhalter for stopping by on Grant and Danny on a big day uh, here in the DMV as far as U.S. men's national team soccer goes. Uh, all right, back to our quarterback conversation, Danny. So here are the veterans I found that are going to be free agents this year. We've talked about Kirk Cousins. The reason for this conversation, one of the big sports books suggested that he's most likely to end up in Washington. You and I both think that that's unrealistic, but he's obviously the best free agent quarterback by far. Here are the non-Cousins free agents. These guys are going to make a lot less money. Now, Baker Mayfield's on this list. I think it's a lock Baker Mayfield is retained by the Bucks. I would think so. I also think Baker Mayfield's going to make close to $40 million a year, by the way, which is hilarious, but also what happens when you have a really good season. Who he, he balled out. He played great. He played very well. That's what you make. That's what starting money takes in this league. And if they don't want to offer him that, that's fine. He can play the Cousins game and just get tagged and mm-hmm. make close to that anyway and go back into free agency next year. But there are four free agent quarterbacks other than Cousins may stay in Minnesota, Mayfield definitely going to stay in Tampa, who are among the top 200 free agents, according to PFF. The list is Ryan Tannehill, who got benched this year by the Tennessee Titans. Gardner Minshew, who played pretty well with the Indianapolis Colts. The opposite of Tannehill, the rookie got hurt. Minshew came in and was the heroic figure for that fan base for much of the season. In fact, if not for a dropped, perfectly thrown pass by Gardner Minshew, I mean, you know what? I'm, I'm misremembering. I think it was actually a bad pass, not a drop. I think he had a guy open and made a terrible pass. Mm-hmm. It was the opposite of that. But if not for one bad play that went astray, the, the Colts would have made the playoffs. Yeah, filling in for 4,000 yards and 28 touchdowns when he wasn't playing A, that's not horrendous. The other names are Jacoby Brissett, who PFF ranked in their top 200. I think he had five drives and five touchdowns with the enemy's offense here in D.C., and then, this one's a lot of fun, Jameis Winston. Here we go. Sir Jameis, one of the funniest, inadvertently, athletes in the history of sports. Here we go. 30 touchdowns, 30 picks in one season, remember. Think about how crazy that is. Yeah, 30-30's lost its cachet. <laughs> you don't see that very often. With the Tampa Bay Bucks, man. <laughs> Unreal. He threw for 5,000 yards that year. Yeah. I think that's happened fewer than 10 times ever. And it was like if he turned it over... Two-thirds of those times, they're probably a Super Bowl team because Brady comes in the next year and they win it. Insanity. But those are the types of veterans we're talking about if you're going to consider trading back. Now, I have no interest. I'm on the record. Give me a quarterback at number two. I can't make this more clear. I'm not trading up to one. No chance. I'm not trading back. I'm staying put. I'm taking Mayor Daniels. Those are my two QBs I'm looking at with that selection. I'll be honest with you. Even if Caleb Williams is still there, I'm taking Mayor Daniels personally at this point. I guess I could change my mind as we get closer to the draft. But that's where I'm at right now. But the question for you guys, MGM National Harbor listener lines, 800-636-1067. And this isn't out of nowhere. This is based on you know what we saw a sportsbook linking with Washington today. What are your thoughts on a cheapish veteran, Tannehill, Minshew, Brissett, Winston, as a starter, and then on a trade back, adding a quarterback who doesn't have to play right away. If you take a QB at two, that guy's playing in week one. You could also explore the Carson Wentzian trade market. 
style, you know, give up assets for for a, a journeyman jag veteran that's on a you know third team in however many not years. Doing that. You they're, wouldn't think they they're would. They're in but, add assets mode, not not sell assets. No, I tend mode. to agree, but it just again, if, if you're if you are so hell bent on not drafting a quarterback, you could go that route and use some of your draft capital. But, I but would. You, I think it's foolish. Yeah, I mean, but. As unrealistic as it is, even that they trade back or whatever, you could make the case that's a possible path that is logical, even if you don't like it. There's no argument at all for a rebuilding team in its infancy of whatever phase is next to to then trade picks. They need to be adding as many picks as possible. 100% They've agree. also already kind of gone on the record to say that when they traded Chase Young for mm-hmm. whatever they could get, Montez Sweat for what they could get. The, the trade back options are interesting too, in terms of. Like, which quarterbacks are you interested in and not? I still think Michael Penix goes in the top 10. I know no one's saying that, but I just believe that. I think there's a chance Bo Nix goes in the top 10 or 12. J.J. McCarthy's being linked in the top 12 or 15. Like, we could legitimately have six quarterbacks go in the top 20. The name, then, that maybe if you trade back, you could get. I don't know how well you know Michael Pratt from Tulane. The Tulane kid, yeah. But he's the guy that everyone's kind of talking about. Uh, In 2023, had an 80 PFF grade. Uh, as a college passer, 22 touchdowns, just five picks, career best mark and big time throws with 19. Big time throw rate was the best we've seen from him in his college career. Like that would be the guy you'd target, or maybe you know the Rattler mid round tier who just won the MVP of the Senior Bowl. Yeah, so you're basically saying if if you're so hell bent on not taking a quarterback at two, just because you're afraid that it might miss or something, who knows whatever your rationale is, you're Pulling from a really thin group of free agents, 36-year-old Ryan Tannehill's kind of your that's probably your speed and your price, who you mentioned, got benched, had a couple good seasons years and years ago with offensive coordinators that have since long moved on. Comes on the cheap. Yeah, comes fairly cheap. You're in that Jacoby Brissett tier as your everyday starter. Now, people probably like Brissett because the, the five series he played, he played particularly well, but there's a reason you can have him on on backup money. Would you rather Jacoby or Tannehill? Jacoby. It'd be cheaper. I think so too. I think I'd rather have him. Jacoby or Jameis Winston? Jacoby. Hmm. That's interesting. It's a new offense. If it was still the enemy's offense and it was carryover, it'd easily be Brissett. Now it's a third offense in three years at least, probably more going mm-hmm. back for Brissett. But it's probably a wash at that point, honestly. I think the guy would be if you wanted to sign Minshew for like a year at, I don't know what it would cost, 10 or 12 or 13 million or something, and then you trade back. But my hope is that they just understand the value of that number two overall pick and the fact that they could hit a home run there and never look back. Yeah, the only trade back I'd be willing to accept is if, let's say you like this this one weird scenario. You like all three of these top three quarterbacks the same, and you don't care which one you end up with. And you force New England to come up a spot or something weird, you know you're going to get one, and you end up with one of the three and another pick or two. That's not realistic, but that's the only scenario where trading back. I go, oh, that's nice. Otherwise, it's one of those things where, where I'm going, it's pretty ballsy, right? It's pretty ballsy in your first go around in charge of this thing to not sit pretty and take one of these guys. And you need to be bowled over with an offer, and I don't know that that's coming. So here's the question. 800-636-1067 is the number on Grant and Danny. If Washington gets an enticing offer to move back at a bunch of assets and – can still then get a quarterback, but they get that guy either late first, second, something like that, and can sign a veteran. Is that something they should be considering? Or with the number two overall pick, should they just take one of these slam dunk prospects among 
this draft class. Doesn't mean they're a slam dunk to be a great quarterback in the NFL, but they're the best in this class and take your chances. 800-636-1067, G&D on the fan. He's Danny. I'm Grant. This is the fan. You know, it was a really baller thing for the Kansas City Chiefs when they won their second straight title. What's that? So they win the Super Bowl Sunday in Vegas against the division rivals, or I should say in a division rival stadium. I know that it's no longer the Oakland Raiders, but the Vegas Raiders, the Kansas City Chiefs, that is still Raiders Chiefs. That's a massive rival. It is, yes. That's like Redskins, Cowboys stuff from back in the day, right? So you're in their stadium, number one. Number two... John Elway walked the Lombardi Trophy up to the dais so that Andy Reid and, and Clark Hunt and all of, of the uh, traveling party for the Chiefs could get their hand on it. So you've got Elway of Broncos fame, who's still one of the highest-ranking executives, AFC West Denver Broncos, mm-hmm. their other arch rival in the division. I don't know if the thought was one way or the other will be interesting because Elway's in the division and it, you know hated by the Chiefs, but also won Super Bowls with... Mike Shanahan and his mm-hmm. own Kyle since he was a toddler, or what the thought was on that. But you're in the Raiders stadium, yeah. and Elway's handing Andy Reid the trophy. I'm just looking around at all the bodies here that have piled up, and let me put my foot right on top of that one. Ah, thanks, Mr. Elway, for the trophy. That is pretty neat. I didn't even thought of that. Pretty strong. That's nice. For like if Washington won a Super Bowl in Dallas, you know, like right. beat, the, beat the the Eagles in the NFC title game or something. Yeah, Brian Dawkins walks the Lombardi exactly. up and hands it off to... Dan Quinn? Question mark? Josh Harris? Who put a question mark on my teleprompter? Question for you guys is, are you all in on taking a QB at two, or should the commanders consider trading back and maybe signing a veteran? Gardner Minshew, Jameis Winston, Ryan Tannehill, one of these Jags, guys that aren't very good that are available on the cheap, but you're you're doing it as you groom a second, a third-round quarterback maybe. And you're adding a bunch of assets. I am a hard no on this idea. I don't want anything to do with it. I think it's still a fair question. And we're basing this on something we saw where a sports book says they think Kirk Cousins is going to end up in Washington. Danny, you're out as well. Yeah, totally out on this. But the extra note I would add is I've been really surprised at the huge pulse of fans that want to do exactly that. To basically sign up to say, I want to do more of what we've been doing for 30 years. I think it's going to work this time. Where are you basing that off of? I have definitely seen where a lot of people want to trade back. But for me, it's more about the the Sam Howlers, so to speak, who are the same people that were the Taylor Heineke years. Mm -hmm. And before that, they were the Carson Wentzians. And before that, they were the Ryan Fitzpatrickians. But now it's Sam Howell's the guy. You guys are dumb. You just don't see it. Just like Taylor Heineke was the guy and we were dumb and we didn't see it then. Uh, not to say he's not better than that. I, I think he is, and I, I like Sam Howell. But that's the only group of people I'm seeing that want to not draft a quarterback at two is if you've decided or just like Sam Howell so much that you want him to get another shot. I haven't seen anybody who's pro, like, let's take a guy in the second or third and sign a veteran. I feel like it's all I hear, whether it's, you know, call us to different shows, whether it's uh, tweets at Funny Danny at Greenwich Paulson. It's just, it's this constant pulse of, it might not work out at number two, therefore, then some sort of thing. And of course, it might not work out. 
But it's it's is it like if you had if you could guarantee me some kind of certainty in this business that inherently is uncertain, I might sign up for a certainty. You know what I mean? Like if, if you tell me I've got this which will lead to that, it might be a safe plan. It might make a lot of sense. But to act like any alternative is quote unquote safe or certain, I think is folly. So yes, there's risk in taking a quarterback at number two. There's risk. You know, stepping outside, it could be the moment the meteor hits. There, there's risk, you know, getting in your car. There's there, everything is riddled with the opportunity that it might go badly. It doesn't mean you don't do stuff. All right, let's get to the calls. Start with Will and Stafford on hey, GND. What's up, Will? Hey guys, uh, thanks for taking my call, man. Um, I uh, I know you got to take a quarterback at two. I mean, uh, you know, wisdom would say that, but I, I got to admit it's enticing. Uh, I think fans that are on the pulse side about trading back, they look at the Niners in the Super Bowl with Purdy. It's a very small sample size out of 32, but, you know, it happens sometimes. And this roster has so many holes, the thought if you trade back, you can fill a lot of that. Um, maybe Kingsbury tells Peters he can work with Hal. Maybe maybe Peters thinks he can trade a few mid-round picks and get Justin Fields in here. If that's the case, maybe take Harrison. Maybe trade back, get more picks. Take Bowers or Fashionau or Fontenot or Malik Neighbors. It's just the thought of, of getting a couple – like high-level guys and getting a, a plethora of picks, it's enticing. Um, Drake May played against Wake Forest. He played against Virginia Tech. He played against Virginia. He's a great quarterback, but there's questions about who he played against. Jaden Daniels a hell of a college football quarterback, but to me he's got a little Bryce Young in him. This is game transfer to the NFL. There's question marks about those guys. Question marks um, everybody, yeah, for sure. For huge sure. Question Appreciate you, do Good call. But that's, that's the nature of this thing, right? There is – no such thing as a perfect prospect. Once every, what, 10 years, you get an Andrew Luck where everybody's like, yeah, it's pretty much nothing wrong with that guy. He's great. Patrick Mahomes was yeah, not a beloved prospect coming out. He went back into the top 10 because of his physical tools. But nobody thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be the next great quarterback in the NFL. In fact, I was watching a video that was circulating today. That pick got destroyed everywhere mm-hmm. because they had Alex Smith at the time and they traded up for basically his successor. And Smith was coming off one of his best seasons. But Andy Reid, and at the time, John Dorsey, who was making the picks for the Chiefs, was a really, really smart guy. Uh, John Dorsey said, we like the player. We think he's going to be really, really good. I think he's got some special traits that very few people have. You know, we're going to see where this goes. It won't be this season, but we'll see. He ended up playing the final game of the year when they had already made the playoffs, Mm -hmm. playing very well. And then the next season, obviously, threw, I think, 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards and won the MVP award. And John Dorsey walked in every room with like the no chance soundtrack playing from Vince McMahon, just shuffling in, grabbing a cognac. But it goes without saying, yes, there's major questions about the guys in the draft. No doubt about it. There's no such thing as a certainty when you're taking a QB. Doesn't matter if it's one, two, seventh round. Best chance to, to hit is obviously in those top couple of picks. That still only gets you to, I don't know, like a 45% chance that you get a really good quarterback, probably historically. That's a lot better than the 2% chance you have to have a really good quarterback if you're signing one of the available free agents and you know picking someone in the, the mid to late rounds. Let's go to Robert in Dallas. What's up, Robert? Hey, what's happening, guys? So hey, I'm like that hey, I'm like that last caller, man. And look, all I do, I look at our division and I see the only we have a first round draft pick in Daniel Jones who sucks. But then we have Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott who weren't first rounders. I see Lamar Jackson was picked at the end of the first round, Patrick Mahomes, and then before that Tom Brady picked in the sixth. Why are we so hes- why do we want to just rush and just put all our eggs in the basket of some twenty one year old coming out of college? Build a team. 
And just like that last caller said, who stole my spotlight here, hey, man, Drake May, if you look at his scouting report, Listen to that. We already have him and Sam Howell. I'd rather go ahead and get Kirk Cousins, and then you go out and get feel a complete team. San Francisco has a great team, bro. It's not a quarterback. They have a great team. All these players that we have out here, we don't need to have a great quarterback to win the NFC because there ain't no great quarterbacks in the NFC. So bring Kirk Cousins over. If you can do that, you have a build a good team, get some great players. I'd rather do that. I like Caleb Williams. I think he's going to be special. But Drake May and do Daniels, man, these are, I mean, they're good, but there's nothing special about them. I'm, I'm, I'm for trading the pick. I'm over this whole, oh, let me ask you guys this. Mm-hmm. I know the quarterback is special, but when are we going to start saying that maybe you can do the same thing that you do with the running back position and find a quarterback anywhere? When you look across the league, I mean, Justin Herbert, yeah, I know everybody wants to put him in the Hall of Fame. He ain't winning squat. Uh, Trevor Lawrence ain't winning squat. All these other. I mean, but Justin, are you, are you judging Burrow? it based on what they're winning or how they're playing? Right in Herbert's case, that's a franchise quarterback. Uh, I would say that. Uh, who who else he mentions? Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence has been a disappointment, but last year played like a franchise quarterback. Is still outperformed what Washington's gotten from that position for years and years and years. I mean, you, you just can't find a quarterback anywhere. Here's the problem with the logic of. Brock Purdy in the seventh, Brady in the sixth. Your point in saying that is it is possible to find a guy there, and that is true. It is possible to find a quarterback in the seventh round. That's what Brock Purdy proves. You're not acknowledging the 1,000 other quarterbacks drafted in the seventh round who stunk, didn't make teams, didn't get out of camp, ended up being practice squad bodies. No, you're one for 1,000, basically, in the seventh round. I'm just making up that number. But it's several hundred. Uh, Same thing in the sixth round. You say, well, you got Tom Brady there. True, that did happen. It is possible to find someone there. There have been 500 other sixth-round quarterbacks who have done nothing. Guys like Jabron Hamden, who I like, who's on Instagram, breaking down quarterbacking, who came here to Washington for an hour. There are countless. Rohan Davey from LSU, random sixth-round dudes who never did anything. Who does Tanner McKee play for? I ask you guys right now. Went in the sixth round last year. Who does Ta- who does he play for? So is it possible to find a guy? Yes, but I, th- that's such a flawed way to view it when you say Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins were drafted in the fourth round. Therefore, you should draft your quarterback in the fourth round. How often does that work? Drafting a quarterback in the seventh round works 1% of the time. In the sixth round, maybe works 4% of the time. In the fifth round, maybe works 4% of the time. In the fourth round, you're up to 11% of the time. By and large, the really good quarterbacks in the NFL, most of them get drafted higher. So the the, the way of viewing it is flawed. It's like Danny saying, finding one person like Chad Ochocinco, who eats McDonald's every single day, isn't in great shape. And then you're like, See, just eat McDonald's That's every day. That's the best way to die. You could be in great shape. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. That guy's in the gym for 14 hours a day. So, again, it's not a, it's not one-to-one, but 10 of the top 15 passers this year were first-round draft picks. The next uh, – then two of those guys in the top 15 were top two-round draft picks when you had in Derek Carr and, and, and Jalen Hurts. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get one of those guys. But what are we talking about? The best percentage. The best percentage chance is to take one in the first round. It's pretty simple. Like, I understand your point that – there are great stories of Tom Brady, of Dak Prescott. There are great stories of uh, of, of Brock Purdy, the, the, the Mr. Relevance of the world. But 
then you have to also acknowledge the innumerable odds of what makes that so special. Yeah. Right? It's so the whole point is that it's unusual. It's crazy that Mr. Relevant quarterback in the Super Bowl and is a missed extra point away from hoisting the damn trophy. Well, also, what is Brock Purdy as a quarterback in an average offense with an average coach? I still think that's a really good question. My guess is he's much closer to being a mediocre quarterback than a really good one. In other words, if you just randomly assigned Brock Purdy to a random NFL team this year, he's probably not playing in the Super Bowl or in the MVP running when you put him with Trent Williams and Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle and Kyle Shanahan and Kyle Juszczyk. It's a different situation at that point. And maybe Robert in Dallas's suggestion is go get your Trent, Debo, McCaffrey, surround a quarterback with all that talent and elevate a mid-rounder. It's difficult to hit on all of those guys is the problem. Uh, but yeah, if they could figure that out somehow, they should start working. It would be incredible. On yeah. I would I would sign up for it. 800 636 1067 Commanders pick second. At least one sports book says they're going to go with a veteran. They think you know, Kirk Cousins ends up in Washington. We're not seeing that happening, but we're asking you what you would make of trading back, signing a veteran QB, and then developing a non-top five, top ten pick at QB. You're listening to the fan. G&D on the fan at the top of the hour at 4 o'clock. We're under 15 minutes away from tickets to go see Nate Bargatze. That's Nate Bargates to some of you. Ooh. Remember that? Yeah. That's tough. That commercial? You hate to see that. Nate Bargates? Nate Bargates. He's pretty famous, man. Yeah. Hosted SNL, man. Also, it's not a name that you've seen before. So like, if you're reading it for air, you'd probably just do a quick search. On YouTube or something, yeah? Speaking of searches, E-F-F-O-R-T. That's effort. A little bit of effort. Would Capital nice One there. Arena. We got five pairs this week. We gave one away yesterday. We're giving a pair away every single day at 4 o'clock. Make sure you're listening. Let's squeeze in a quick double play. So you might remember, GP. You know you have your pizza saga, that your your pizzas. And you may have an update for us. I don't want to spoil that. I do have an update, as a matter of fact. But I have an update myself. Remember, I have my own saga. Not hasn't gone on as long as yours. But you might remember, I ordered a bunch of clothes on this unbelievable sale of one of my favorite uh, clothing companies. I couldn't believe the prices. I ordered it in December. I emailed customer service. I actually have an update. This is This is true. This is real. I have an update. Yep. Thanks, Terrence. They have not responded. Wow. They have not responded. But I emailed them. That's so good. That, that is the update. They have been emailed. They have an email address. And I emailed them. And I have no response from them just yet. So, <laughs> I'm going to get you. Danny was the like the 82-year-old in the movie who got got. The, the most clear yep. attempt ever to just steal money from you, and you fell. Hook, line, and sinker. Oh, I fell hard. I mean, so, the, the package is like, we delivered it to you. And it's like, you didn't. 
He was a fish. He's just kind of swimming around. He saw a boat. Saw the motor, and he's like, oh, there's a boat. And then he saw the hook come in the water, and he's like, oh, they're fishing. Would you look how shiny that is? They're trying to catch fish. I'm a fish. He literally saw the guy baiting the hook. He was just watching him in the boat, and he's like, oh, some dumb fish is going to end up trying to nibble that hook and get caught. And then he swam away, and then he saw another worm floating, and he bit on it, but it was another guy's hook. It was a different hook. You got caught, my friend. I did. Time for my double play. Danny, I decided to try to sweet talk somebody and see where it got me. I went up to the desk on my flight back from Vegas to Washington, D.C. I couldn't help but notice it was a red eye. Didn't seem like there were that many people, right? Okay. few people in line in front of me were complaining and kind of, I would say, not being very friendly to the lady at the desk. By the way, traveling stinks. I don't know how anyone would want a job where you just get yelled at by everyone the entire time who are in a bad mood. Mm-hmm. And I understand why they're in a bad mood for the most part, but also it's not her fault necessarily. Right. She didn't She didn't ground the plane or change the schedule. She, she's the messenger. But I saw a few people in a row were kind of being rude, and I said, you know what? It's my chance to make my move. And I went up, and I said, how you doing? She kind of looked at me awkwardly. She's like, I'm fine. And I said, having an okay day? I see things have gotten a little rough here the last few minutes. And she laughed. She said, oh, it's fine. I said, listen, I'm just wondering if there are any seats available in the exit row. And she's like, uh, where's your seat? And I'm, I showed her. I said, but I, I don't want to sit in that seat. I'd like to sit in the exit row if it's possible. And she's like, I could check. And I was like, just start making small talk. Yeah. We just start chatting a little bit. Just chatting it up. I'm like, what time did you get here today? What, what, next thing you know, I hear that printer turn on. Extra leg room. <gasps> exit row ticket. I ended up in the exit row. Nobody in the middle seat. Nothing but real estate around my big fat tuchus. Unreal. Just by being a nice little friendly man. Although, <laughs> it might also have been that the plane was, you know, pretty empty. Yep. But I'm going to go with sometimes all you need to do is extend a smile. That doesn't happen if you don't go up there. That doesn't happen if you don't go up there and you're like, how you doing? What's going on with you tonight? Everything going well? Sitting in the middle way back in the back. That's right. You're middle Marty back then. Let's go to James in Gainesville. What's up, James? How are you? Hey, Grant. Hey, Danny. Thanks for taking my call. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Hey, buddy. James, what an honor. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Hip, hip, hooray! Hip, hip, hooray! Hip, hip, hooray! Love a first-time caller on this show. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm going to keep it uh, short and succinct. Um, I completely agree with you that we need to go QB at number two. Um, but the one thing that nobody seems to be talking about is, like, why do we have to start him right away? Like, I would love to get a veteran quarterback back here, play for a year, let the kid acclimate. I mean, there's a couple individuals out there that sat out for a year or more than a year, and they came in and they're killing it in the NFL. There's such an acclimation period. I want to get a QB, but I don't want to start him. I think about Cleveland over like a decade when they just kept running through top talent QBs and they would go to this horrible team and they, they're nobodies. I can't even remember their names, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's namely because they were Browns quarterbacks, but your point is well taken. A lot of uh, Tim Couch in there. So much Kelly Holcomb. Uh, yeah, I get the argument for letting a guy sit. And maybe if you don't feel like they're processing and ready necessarily, You let them watch for the first few weeks and just see where it goes. You don't have to start them in week one. But look at C.J. Stroud. 
Look at how he changed the entire organization to the number two overall pick. Mm -hmm. Hindsight having been wisdom, it would have been a huge mistake, and it would have been preposterous for them to have sat him. Bryce Young, on the other hand, maybe he would have been better Probably could have used it. Yeah. Not getting thrown to the Wolves. Not because he stunk, but because that team was so terrible. The talent around him was so bad. Coach was getting fired. So, yeah, I, I think it, the situation will kind of tell you, if you're Adam Peters and Dan Quinn, what's warranted. But Jaden Daniels is so electric as an athlete off schedule. But there's plenty you could do with him day one. You should be able to figure out a plan to allow him to play like it's Saturday. Yeah, see Anthony Richardson in Indianapolis. Now, he got hurt, unfortunately, but that's what they were doing. It, it was It was a... Let's let him show his talent. Let's let him do what he does really well and put more and more on his plate slowly and steadily. That, that's as good a strategy as any. The Robert Griffin plan. Exactly. We'll make him a pocket passer eventually. Right now, we're going to run read option and we're going to take the league by storm. I think you could do something with Jaden Daniels to make him really comfortable really quickly. Drake May is a little more of a pro-style passer. And so you, you've got to see if he's ready. But look at the Chargers as an example. They decided they were going to wait on Justin Herbert. Give him time. Then a doctor accidentally stabbed. I'm not doing a bit, by the way. That's what happened. Tyrod Taylor was on the sideline right before a game. His ribs were hurting. They were bruised or cracked or whatever. And a doctor went to give him a shot to numb his ribs so he could play. And they accidentally like punctured his lung, yeah. essentially. And so had Justin, to go to the hospital. Justin Herbert had to, two minutes before the game, find out he's playing. He goes out, throws for three bills, and he never leaves the field again. So sometimes these guys are ready, even if you're not sure that they are. And they got to get a chance to play to prove it. G&D on the fan. We're going blitzing next. And we got those Nate Bargatze tickets for you right here on Grant and Danny. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 